It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. See outside. And I do mean it is difficult to see outside, at least from our studios here at the ARN compound as you look out. I can't even see 360, and normally you can see that pretty well. It is pea soupy, murky, gloomy, foggy, but we're glad to be with you, with you this morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howe will not be in today. Um, if, if, if you can, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to um, describe how Jeff sounded yesterday <laughs> when he called me yesterday, and all I wanted to do was say, dude, don't. You know, don't talk. <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk. Uh, it's just it, it raspy, awful. Just sounded brutal. So, uh, and and as we speak right now, uh, he is in a doctor's office, I believe, getting his throat examined. Uh, it happens. It, it it happens this time of year. I know several people are are, are dealing with it right now. So uh, we hope you'll be. He'll be okay, and hope uh, those of you having to deal with it this time of year are okay as well. Our producer does have his full voice. That's the purveyor of all good things, Flex ATX, because after all, in the final analysis, it's Flex. It's Jonathan John Donaldson, J. J. Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. How you doing this morning coming off this busy, busy weekend? I'm just glad to not be driving. Yeah. It's like. My, I'm slight of build, and so like when I sit down for a long time, like my butt will hurt. Get a little tailbone issue? Yeah. And so, like, I went to San Antonio and Houston on Friday, then back to Austin. Yeah. Then San Antonio and Austin. Yeah. Or San Antonio and Houston, Houston and back to Austin on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I didn't mind the driving because I do. it means that I'm off of my phone, which I'm never off my phone because right. I'm driving. But, like, I just – at one point I was driving and, like, I had my butt in the air. Yeah. Like kind of hovering. Yeah. You know, and driving along. But, you know, other than that, I'm good. Okay. I have fun. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you about your journey here in a little bit. And let me tell you what's coming up on the on the program here. Uh, we will re-air, in case you did not hear it, the conversation that Bucky and Aaron had with Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. We do have our Whataburger top five. Uh, coming, I don't mind telling you right now that that was the top performance of the weekend, uh, the top five performance, and and we'll hear the conversation with Drew Sander. Of course, Drew will join us on Thursday morning in his usual uh, Thursday morning time slot, as we have all season long, and he'll be with us to preview that state championship matchup. So we do have we have our Whataburger top five coming up, top five performances of the weekend. Uh, we will have the uh, we'll re- bring you that conversation uh, with Drew Sanders a little later on this morning. And in this hour, uh, we have a Longhorn Notebook, and we'll update it as, as best we can based on what's happened this morning, and more on that to come in a moment. Uh, we will have Inconceivable. Uh, at the uh, Just past the top of the hour, 
Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans, will be with us. I know we popped on with Bucky and Aaron briefly this morning. We'll have a conversation with him as well uh, to visit with Coach Warren because the Texans, like Vandegrift, one of the two area teams that have qualified for the UIL State High School Football Championships. And uh, look, whenever you play in a state championship game, you've got your hands full. It doesn't matter. I mean, Vandegrift will have its hands full with DeSoto, and, and Wimberley has its hands full with the number one team in the state. Carthage uh, in the state chamber, but we'll visit with him uh, about that. We'll have another Longhorn Notebook coming up uh, next hour as well, and uh, and Anaflex thirty updates. We have a lot to get to on the program. All right, let me um, let me <laughs> as I cough a little bit there. Let me bring you up to speed as 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 current a, as I can, and as current as it is. Uh, right now with regards to University of Texas men's basketball head coach Chris Beard. So I, I want to make sure that you have the actual, um, you might say, official and quote-unquote legal information regarding his situation. And uh, and then we'll move from there uh, back into uh, our regularly scheduled features at the time. Didn't want to make sure and and uh, not bring you up to date. So here's, here's where it was. Uh, it was confirmed this morning that uh, Chris Beard, the Longhorn men's basketball coach, was arrested and charged with assault on a family member. Uh, he uh, was accused of impeding breathing, is the way it was uh, described. A disturbant, urgent call came just after 2 o'clock in the morning. He was booked uh, into uh, jail uh, just past 4 o'clock this morning in the Travis County Sheriff's Office jail records. It's a third-degree uh, felony charge of assault on a family household member impede breath cir- circulation charge. That's that's where it was. Uh, the university has released, released a statement saying, quote, the university is aware of the situation regarding Chris Beard. We are continuing to gather information and monitoring the legal process. So that's that's uh, where it is right now. That's the official news. So, for for example, um, uh, you, you know anybody who is asking the the question about you know where you know what is there any update anything new? That's as updated as it gets on any news outlet that that you'll have because uh, the legal process will run its course through that. So. That's where it is right now. With regard to the fact that the Longhorns have a basketball game tonight against uh, Rice University, that game obviously will be played. Don't know anything further with regard to any other uh, availability or non-availability with Coach Beard. There's been nothing said about that. Anything beyond that would be pure speculation uh, on that. And uh, they are due to play the Rice Owls 7 o'clock tonight in a game that we'll have for you. Here on the Horn on 1049, 1019, and AM 1260. That game will be played tonight at 7 o'clock. Beyond that, anything would be merely and pure speculation. So that's where it is. Wanted to hit it for you right from the start, give you as updated as it is. I mean, it, it, it hasn't been that, um, you might say, um, you know, ramped up in its update in terms of uh, further charges or this or that or, or what the situation is beyond what I just gave you, which happened in the early hours of this morning. As of 9 a.m., 
Uh, Coach Beard was still uh, booked at the Travis County Jail. That's that's where it was. And um, that's the last update that has been released by Austin Police. It's the last update that has been reported by any of the major news outlets. And, and uh, as I mentioned, the University of Texas released a statement saying they're aware of the situation and are continuing to follow it. And that's where it is at the moment. We'll see where it goes from here. And clearly and obviously, uh, when we have any other uh, updates on it, we'll let you know. We will pass those along to you as soon as we get them. So just wanted to make sure you had that information up front in case you didn't hear it. Out front, there it is. Uh, We'll recap it. Uh, even even if there's nothing further updated, we'll recap it uh, in the Longhorn Notebook at the bottom of the hour, just to make sure, just in case anybody else missed it. I don't want to make, don't want to give anybody any impression that uh, news is not being reported when it happens, because it has happened, and that's where it is right now. So there's, uh, there are uh, lots of folks who are endeavoring to cover it and to find out where it is, and when we find out more, we'll certainly pass it along to you. That's the update as it is right now. All right. Uh, from there, we move forward and we move back into our regularly scheduled programming, if you will. And that means our it Whataburger. Yes. Happy holidays mm-hmm. to you, Craig. Hey, hey, I'll tell you what. Before we get to before we get to the Whataburger <laughs> top five, uh, I would like. I'll tell you what. Let's do the top five, okay. and then we're going to get to you, sure. to your travel log of the week. And here, let's get to our Whataburger top five. Now, it's time for the Whataburger top five. Okay, prepare to receive today's edition. Here we go. Top five performances of the weekend. Now, when you get to the state semifinal level of the playoffs, what you do have are performances by teams that are outside of the greater Austin Central Texas area, because just like every other area. Dallas-Fort Worth, Greater Houston, West Texas, East Texas, wherever, the amount of teams from a specific area dwindles as the playoffs dwindle. Because right now, we're down to 24 teams left that still could win a state championship. 24 is that you you basically have six state, six divisions with two divisions of six to crown state champions. You have two teams remaining in that. So 2 times 6 is 12, (laughs) 12 times 2 is 24. Even I can figure out that math. So we're down to 24 teams remaining. And in the second hour, Flex 30 update, we'll run down all of those state championship matchups and let you know. But first of all, the top five, five performances of the weekend included games from outside this area and included games where the performance was authored by a team that vanquished an area team. Because you have to salute them for the job they did. Starting at number five, Fort Natchez Groves taking out Liberty Hill 42-14. Uh, it, would it be safe to say, Snoop, that even as we have pointed out the stable of running backs that the Panthers had, still and all, that, that was probably a little bit too much to overcome from an offensive perspective, let alone what they gave up defensively in the loss to PNG on Friday night. I was unaware of PNG, but I'm a believer now. And I don't... I tried to tell you that when they took out LBJ. <laughs> that they were really, really good. I don't know why I didn't... I just didn't hear what you and Zach were saying. <laughs> that 
Okay. Not, not only the team, but that community is sure. scary supportive. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, it, that's why we're saying that. Oh, and, my and, Lord. And even I'm going to run down all uh-huh. of the uh, the high school state championship they were, they games. They were harder than Lorena last year. And Lorena was the Lorena. hardest. Lorena. Yeah. They, yeah. they were the hardest I'd seen previously. What do you see? Remember the crowd? Uh-huh. That South Oak Cliff brought last Ooh. year to play Liberty Hill in the state championship game. Remember, they said they had forty-five thousand total fans, legit, including Sock and Liberty Hill fans. Remember, we we talked about that last, and they had forty-five thousand fans. Think about this: you have South Oak Cliff playing Port Natchez Groves on a Friday night this week. What do you think that crowd's going to be like? We're saying it's going to be at least forty thousand. Probably, it could be pushing fifty for two reasons. One. Uh, Jason wow. Todd, the head coach of South Oak Cliff, says Dallas County will turn out. He said, we'll bring South Dallas County with us. I'm sure they'll do it again. And then you saw firsthand what PNG does in terms of their longtime uh, historical football tradition. Bum Phillips was a coach back there in the 50s, and they, you know, they've, uh, they've been around a long time. They've won state championships before. Uh, they beat Odessa Permian in 1975. They lost to Plano in 1977 at Texas Stadium in what to this day is still the single, the largest attendance. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a single state championship game. Now, we have to put it that way because of the way it works at AT AT&T Stadium, Arlington, where one attendance gets folded into another with a second game and then the third game of a triple header where they've had over 50, close to 60,000. But for one game, standalone game, 1977, Plano PNG, 49,953. That was at Texas Stadium back in 77. I think they have the the chance that PNG-South Oak Cliff game could wind up having that kind of attendance on Friday night in the 5A Division II state championship. Because basically, Craig, that neighborhood around uh, Sock yeah. is going to state. Uh, yeah. You got three teams. You got South Dallas County. You got South Oak Cliff, DeSoto, and Duncanville are all going to state wow. championship. So, yeah, they're going to be. Now, DeSoto and Duncanville are going to play back-to-back on Saturday. But still, I think folks will turn out yeah. on Friday night. So it's, it's going to be exciting. All right, that's number five, PNG. Number four, hey, tip of the hat to North Shore. I told you there were a lot of things that were kind of scary about North Shore, and they, they did take down Westlake 49-34. And, uh, you know, the things that will impress everybody about North Shore, certainly uh, Rashad Johnson, the running back, DeAndre Hardeman, the running back, who on that fourth and one goes 46 yards for a touchdown to give them the cushion again, but their defense can be punishing. And even though Westlake did end up putting up 34 points on them, a lot of it was after, or a couple of the touchdowns came after North Shore had jumped to the big lead. Uh, and, and David Amador continues to impress as a receiver-converted quarterback who's just, he's Touchdown Dave. That's what they know him as, Touchdown Dave. And he and he makes it happen for them. Uh, Evan Jackson's a tremendous safety who stepped in for one play when Amador got the wind knocked out and throws a touchdown pass. Now, he got hit and it was underthrown and the receiver comes back and makes the catch and then takes it in for the touchdown. That's the play I walked into the stadium that, on. That's when you got there? That's Evan Jackson who threw that, the safety, 
who's been operating as a backup quarterback. Remember, Caleb Bailey has been out since uh, midseason. Their guy was the freshman, led him to the state title last year. Denham College just – Denham could have picked it off. Yeah. Oh, that was the turning point of the game. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Jim Mudd says, I believe Permian was the 75 state champion. They were not, Jeff. They lost 13 to 10. Wow. <laughs> they did not win the state championship in 1975. PNG. So uh, much happened this past weekend. Doug Etheridge was the coach there. Flashing back. To <laughs> uh, so, yeah, long, long tradition there. Uh, Permian <laughs> won in 72, by the way, Jeff. And uh, so they, they beat Baytown Sterling uh, in uh, 72 to win that state title. But anyway, uh, give North Shore the credit there on that one. Yeah. All right, number three, been telling you about this team all season long, Snoop. Bernie. Greyhounds not only advanced to their first ever state championship, they beat Chapel Hill 35 to nothing. Big, strong, powerful uh, interior line on both sides for a 4A Division I team. And not only that, they have the Bays brothers, B-A-I-Z-E, the Bays brothers, the pitch and catch combo. The sophomore is the quarterback. The senior is the wide receiver. Uh, very impressive with what Shea Hendricks has done. There's the head coach at Bernie. They're going to the first ever state title game. Again, more on these matchups will come in our second hour of that. Number two, yeah, it's Wimberley over Cuero. And uh, you were there uh, for that. Now, were you still there at the end when they had to hold on, or had you already taken off for Houston? No, I was there until yeah. the end because it was like a four-hour. Well, anyway, but, yeah. yeah, I saw Wimberley celebrated at the end. It was a good time. Yeah, uh, got big uh, big play. Johnny Ball with another big yeah. game for them in the backfield. Cody Stover playing really, really well. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason. There's a reason he's a finalist for the All Flex team, and the All Flex team will be announced tomorrow. But um, uh, they had been, and then the Code Red defense is is taking a little bit. And we'll ask Doug Warren about this. It's a little bit different identity with this. They're more bend don't break, and they did a lot of bending on Saturday, but did not break at the end when they had to get, get the stops that they got. So, Wimberley, number two, and the number one uh, performance I mentioned, uh, certainly it has to be Vandegrift over Katie, 38-35. And uh, the impressive nature with which the Vipers went about their business in the first half, just punch and counterpunch with that outstanding Katie team. Give up a big run to Seth Davis, no problem. We'll come back with a big pass to Miles Coleman. Uh, give up another big run uh, to Dallas Glass, no problem. We'll come back. And hit you with with what we have on the ground. And Braden Buchanan operating it all, almost seamlessly. So on the offensive side and on the defensive side, they got a couple of big stops when they had to. And Vandegrift has done what you have to do to have a shot to get to, let alone win a state title. And that is, and and, and Drew Sanders mentioned this on the postgame, you have to play really well, and it, and by playing really well and really hard, you put yourself in position to be the beneficiary of another team making a mistake. It happened with Dripping Springs with Novasad dropping the center snap going in, and it happened on the last drive against Katie with a pass interference call on a pass that was in the area, but it would have been a difficult catch to make. But you got to throw the flag on that, and that's what the officials did on the pass interference call that kept the drive moving, gave them a first down, and then Buchanan hits two more big strikes to get them in position. You talk about a guy leading a championship-style drive into position for Hayden Arnold to knock home the 37-yard field goal. That's what teams do that make it to state championship games. 
And they, they make those big plays and stay away from critical mistakes, which Katie rarely makes. But they did. And then you got to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what the Vipers did. So there it is. There's your Whataburger top five performances of the weekend. Okay. Snoop, uh, I've got to find out from you now because of your travel log. It was extensive. It was. And that's why I want to hear about this because I know you're burning up I 10. Did you uh, stop at the Bucky's there? And, uh, <laughs> Luling or Gonzalez. I, I or Gonzalez. You know, I, and I didn't even realize all these cities. That's one of the lovely things about covering high school sports is you hear about all these teams, and then when you see the street sign off the highway. And all those really exit signs. Oh, that's where that town is, right? LaGrange. I saw, I saw Luling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flatonia. Yep. Yeah, oh, it was yeah, – so I know it's corny, but it's true. I'm just being honest. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of driving. And, oh, I want to say, oh, uh, Coach Mauser, the offensive coordinator for yes. Vanderbilt. To dial up two wide receiver passes for yeah. Miles Coleman, who threw two touchdowns. Right. Anyway, all right. I, I yeah, those kinds of oh plays. That's Lord. what I'm talking about, those kinds of plays. Huh. All right. So, okay, yeah. so you stayed all the way through the Wimberley game. Yeah, and at the Alamo Dome. All right, so then you race to your car and you jump in. Yep. And you get on I-10. Oh, my God. They – Thank you for letting me talk about this. Legacy Stadium is the most beautiful uh, high school football stadium I told you to check it out I've for me. Seen. It's one of the few really new stadiums I haven't had a chance to call a game in. So I said, check it out. Let me know. Let Jaw me get your first dropping. review. Yeah. And uh, let me shout out to Huddo because I've been praising Huddo, and I still think Huddo is the coolest uh, new stadium in the city. But Legacy, oh, my Lord. Oh, there's some other There's some other really impressive. That Freedom Field down there where uh, Manville plays and, uh, and Shadow Creek plays. Down south of Houston, that's incredible. The the newer one in McKinney, uh, the one. How in do you Prosper. lose? If I'm Katie, I could not lose in that stadium. <laughs> I mean, because you walk in there and it is literally it's 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 intimidating. Because I'm like, I'm going to a high school game. There's lots of great that Barry Sitter, the Cypress, oh, the the Cy uh, the Cy Fair ISD. There's there's some incredibly impressive. Said the one uh, where I did the. Um, Friday night state semifinal between South Oak Cliff and Argyle. Uh, the brand-new stadium in Crowley on the that? south side. Of, it's a beautiful facility. So they, they have a lighting set up because there was so much purple between P&G and Liberty yeah. Hill. They uh, silhouette lighted the stadium on the outside in purple. That's cool. That's cool. All right, so you get in the car, and you're zipping down I-10, and you're kind of you know, avoiding traffic as best you can because there was still some rush hour yes. getting out of the Alamo Dome, right? It was. I wanted to cry at times. like, you want to make me miss this game. Well, Everybody. All right. all right. Well, I told you it was going to be a bit of a drive. So you get there. You get to Legacy Stadium. Fortunately, it's on the west side of the greater Houston area. So you don't have to go quite as far. So where was the game when you arrived it at was, Legacy? Oh, it was – they had just – Liberty Hill had just held PNG to a field goal mm-hmm. to where it was only a three-possession game. Mm-hmm. But I could tell from the energy that whatever happened before wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and they didn't score again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, there's – It was 35-14 at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they go on. And, again, I, I, I think that there's probably, probably uh, difficult – you would expect this. It would be difficult for them to overcome – the loss of two key running backs who were injured the week before, even though they have pl- lots of running backs in the ball game. Yeah, Ben Carter did have a touchdown. Yeah, almost two. Yeah, so so that was the difficulty there. But uh, 
uh, an excellent season for Liberty Hill, just as it was for Les- for Westlake. Uh, but Westlake being taken down by a North Shore team that's looking to make it back-to-back state titles and four in the past five years and looking to make it four in a row against Duncanville. We'll have more on that. Oh, real quick, one th- weird thing that I want to say that yep. I would never, ever get a chance to say. I, I feel that the Liberty Hill fan base, even though they are rabid, they learned from PNG how to do it a little bit better. In a, in a way that I felt that Georgetown, when they lost to Stephenville back in the day, when they had like Caden Leggett and, yeah. and, and Bo Corrales, when they had two big Division one wide receivers and they could have won state, and they lost to Stephenville. And I felt that they felt it was because of the, the rabidness of the crowd and that energy gave them the edge. So and I think Georgetown has stepped it up since then. So I know that's weird, but I'm telling you, like, st- uh, uh, fan bases, especially parents who stick around a long time, they learn from other bigger fan bases, and they take keys from it. So Liberty, well, Liberty Hill will be back. There's no question about that. It, it, it will be. All right, we need a break. When we yeah. come back, we'll have a longer notebook, and then we'll hear from Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. He was on this morning with Bucky and Aaron. We'll bring that conversation. We have Inconceivable. Uh, we'll visit with Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans. Next hour, we've got a lot to get to here on a Monday on Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Like Light the tower on the horn here. Craig away with you alongside Snoop Daniel. Jeff Howe getting his throat examined. I'm telling you, if, if you're trying to grasp a mental image of how he sounded when he called me, did you did you hear from him, Snoop? You didn't hear from him, did you? No. I told him stop talking after he called. He sounded like a cross between Brenda Vaccaro and Harvey Firestein. Just uh, it was it, it was it was difficult. It was difficult listening to him, and I said, "Stop it." I I, I, I uh, reviewed the home remedies for him again today. He texted later, said he had a doctor's appointment. He was going in the morning. I'm like, "Good, do it, man. Get in here and see that." I understand that. I know lots of people have to deal with that, and I have to take great care to make sure it doesn't happen to me. I'm Snoop. I'm looking at a week where I've got seven football and three basketball games in seven days. Dang. Starting tonight uh, with Texas Rice, uh, seven high school football state championship games, and then two basketball games on Sunday. Men and women doubleheader at American Airlines Center for Texas. Yippee skippy. So, yeah, <laughs> yippee skippy, yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, in other words, my point is, is just, you know, ounce of a lot of prevention, you know, that kind of thing. So, that's, that's the deal. We'll put you in a glass box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Like golf lingo says, get well soon, Jeff. Lots of sore throats around. There are. There's a, somebody said, did he sound a little like Rocky, says CB. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He's he, a little softer voice. You know, uh, you know, um, you know uh, when Mickey Burgess Meredith, he had more of a, a higher edge to it. I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to. You know, endanger my own. No, you got ten games, Craig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the first one comes up tonight, which brings us to our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook, brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. Be sure to uh, check her out on the uh, web at uh, BowersockTeam.com. B O W E R S O C K. That is BowersockTeam.com. Okay, uh, all that I can do at the moment, and we'll continue to, to do it just in case you missed it when we said at the very top of the program, um, is to 
updated as best we can on the information that's coming down uh, about uh, Chris Beard, uh, University of Texas, uh, men's basketball coach. Uh, He was arrested and charged with assault on a family member early this morning and uh, booked into the uh, Travis County uh, Sheriff's Office jail records. There was a disturbance urgent call at 2.07 a.m. this morning facing a third-degree third degree, uh, felony charge of assault on a family-slash-household member impede breath circulation situation. So that's where it was. University released a statement saying the university is aware of the situation regarding Chris Beard. We're continuing to gather information and monitoring the legal process. Again, that's the most current updated situation. We'll update it further as we learn more information about it. I don't know how it affects. I Anything would be speculation as to how it affects not only um, tonight's game against Rice, but uh, going forward as well. All we can tell you about that is there is going to be a basketball game tonight, and uh, Texas will be uh, taking on the Rice Owls. You'll be able to hear it 7 o'clock, and uh, so we'll, uh, it'll be at uh, 7 o'clock tonight. We'll be on the air at 6.30 on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, as well as on Coke FM, 985-993 FM. So that's the, and again, whenever we get more information on it, we will continue to uh, update you on it. Uh, on the Specs text line, somebody said with, with Jeff, what he's going, somebody said it's COVID-19. It's not. Jeff took a test. It was negative. It was not, it was not COVID related. So uh, that's, that's where it was. Um so that's that, and then and then Stoner said at least you had a good sense to skip the Alabama State game yesterday. I was on my way back from Dallas. The concern there is going to be for Leah Moore, who went down injured, and there's been uh, nothing further up than saying it'd be updated day to day on her. Now Deanna Gaston stepped in and had an outstanding performance. Remember, I told you to watch her hair, Snoop. Take a look at Deanna Gaston's hair. Yeah, yeah. she had it going in all of. Her uh, different colors and directions in in all of its glory yesterday. How do you play with that on? Oh, she had twenty points and sixteen boards, Damn. so she obviously can play with it. She <laughs> did pretty good, well. Look good, play good. Yeah, she did. She did. She did very very well. So anyway, that's uh, that's uh, next action for the Texas women. They leave tomorrow to go to Jackson, Mississippi. They play on Wednesday night at Jackson State, a road game at Jackson State on Wednesday, and then they'll have the Sunday afternoon game at American Airlines Center that will be preceded by the men's game. So both the Texas men and women are playing in a doubleheader at the American Airlines Center, and uh, that will be on uh, Sunday afternoon, noon for Texas men against Stanford, and 2.30 for Texas women against USC. All right, so there's our uh, Longhorn Notebook for this hour. We're going to hear from Christian Bishop coming up next hour. Uh, right now, uh, like I said, we wanted to bring you the conversation. Uh, this was uh, Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. And, of course, Drew is on with us every Thursday, and he will be on with us this Thursday, two days before his team kicks off its 6A Division II state championship game against DeSoto. But what a, a great game, a, a landmark moment this Vandegrift program in beating Katie on the walk-off Hayden Arnold field goal on Saturday afternoon, 38-35. And early this morning, uh, Coach Sanders was on with uh, B&E to talk about it. Hey, 
Good morning, guys. Hey, Drew, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. I'm still practicing. That's cool. That is cool. Fantastic, and congratulations. And this will be a very interesting Thanks, game coming up on, on Saturday for you. I, I know your team. You've been building this thing for the last couple of years, and you know, this is it's it's been a pleasure to watch you you grow as a coach and grow as a program at Vandergriff. It's really been a lot of fun. Thanks, Buck. I really appreciate you appreciate both you guys. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. You know, this is our 14th year. I opened the school in 2010 with a JV squad, and and then steadily trying to make it better. And then you know, in in 616 we moved up to 6A, and it was just kind of like I'll be honest. At the at the time, I was like, man, I just don't know if I can ever compete statewide. We're doing great 5A. Had a 12-win season, made the semifinals, and then moved up to 6A, and and so it's very rewarding that I, you know to be able to stick with it, and and um, our guys kept working and and kept going, and it's 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 neat to be here. Yeah, here you are playing for a state championship. Let's look back at Saturday. I mean, the game itself was just, I mean, kind of like the the dripping game the week previous. It was just back and forth, mm-hmm. almost like a good boxing match. I mean, the the score was seven nothing, then seven seven, and then fourteen seven, and you guys would take the advantage. They'd bounce back. I mean, Katie is a power program, and in the end, it was you know thirty five all, and you guys had the ball last. Uh, your you your your quarterback engineers you into a drive, and you get a thirty seven yard field goal to win the game it was just a tremendous football game congratulations but what were, what were the keys for you on Saturday to beat that gate that great Katie program well you know you've got to be able to first of all kind of weather the storm of playing the Katie's you know I mean everybody I had a lot of friends in the coaching profession after almost 30 years doing this and I got so many Houston friends they're just like hey weather the storm weather the storm um, I'm great friends with Don Clayton who was the head coach at Cinco Ranch and and that's what he just kept telling me he would text me that all week and just said you guys are gonna be fine go down and play prove your prove to yourselves and your kids that you can play they've got the big band that plays the train track song the entire time you're on offense um, <laughs> because they're the big red train I guess and um, they had tons of fans even though our fans showed up for sure um, but it was just we were able to go down and score first drive I think that was a big um, boost for us confidence wise um, and then from there it was just you know just amazing state semifinal game between two great teams I think that just kind of settled us down you know and like you said my quarterback Braden Buchanan he's just a tremendous tremendous player leader everything you know he's a baseball player you know he's going to be going to Baylor to, to play a catcher it's just so refreshing and and cool to have kids that play multiple sports because he could easily gone straight baseball and um, and done that but he didn't and just is leading this football team to just tremendous heights. Uh, Drew, tell us about tell us about district play and how it's been and how much fun it's been uh, for the growth of your program and just for for our area in general. The neighborhoods getting to play each other and uh, it, it's just been mm-hmm. such an exciting football season. I know you appreciate that. You appreciate your fans, but you appreciate fans mm-hmm. from from all over Central Texas. I do. Yeah, that's that's a really cool question and a cool point that it is neat. Like when when you start to go and you go further and further. Like I've gotten texts from every single district head coach as the playoffs go on. A lot of people may not think that they think we're all enemies Mm -hmm. and stuff and we're actually colleagues you know and they're all like man another great win I had so many text messages I think I had 300 text messages after uh, the victory on Saturday it was crazy Uh, all I did was answer text messages on the bus ride home you know (laughs) it was such a such a cool thing Um, but it was it it is it it, we are we're all like brothers and we all are it's it's like we all have you know we kind of see value we all see value in building up kids and building up our communities. Mm-hmm. And while everybody can't make state every year, I mean, this is my first time as a head coach. You know, you just you, you strive for trying to be competitive. You strive to be in the playoffs. You strive to win as many games as you can. And most of all, try to help your kids uh, grow up, you know, and become men. 
And uh, and that's not just me. It's like everybody in this area. And so I, I'm really proud to be in the Austin area and uh, been here a while. You know, I was at Travis, obviously, you know that, Buck, with, yep. with Kyle and, and all that. And and, um, and then been here. And so, I mean, I love the Austin area. I love the football here. It's a, it's a high level, and a lot of people are starting to have to respect it. Well, I mean, uh, those tough districts, yours, and obviously the, the one where you played Dripping Springs twice this year out of 26 6 mm-hmm. I mean, it just sharpens you to play anybody in the state, it feels like right now. And Vandegrift has headed to the state championship game this weekend in Arlington for the first time. And, Coach, your, your quarterback, I it's neat because I got to see Braden playing in a 7-on-7 out at Lake Travis this summer. I was out there mm-hmm. just watching, and, and they played an overtime game with dripping, uh, with Austin Ovisad yeah. and dripping, which was really cool. And I noted watching that game and just how competitive he is. I mean, just how relentless he is. Uh, and, and gosh, uh, the competitor comes out, even in seven-on-seven. Seven. Yeah. And then to see dripping play you guys twice and play two great games, and then to see this game against Katie, that kid has got a, a refuse-to-lose mentality that I think has to be infectious for your whole team. He really does. You know, he has this look about him, and I almost sometimes want to tell him to calm down because I'm like, I want to remind him, like, hey, you're a quarterback. <laughs> you're not a linebacker, you know. Yeah. Um, but he just he plays like that, and he kind of lives like that. You know, he just – there's not a moment that he doesn't look forward to. And, and honestly, um, some of the fans were talking to me after we gave up the long run, so we were up. And then we gave up the long run. I mean, that that tailback, my gosh, guys, he was so good. I mean, all-time leading rusher in Katie history. Wow. And they have such a great history. Um, but he, we gave up this long run. We would kind of bottled up. We felt like pretty good. But, man, he bust an 80-yard run right there at the end with about two minutes left and to tie, us, tie it back up. And, and uh, honestly, people were asking me, was I worried? And I actually, and I'm not making this up, I really wasn't because I felt like Braden was just going to find a way to get us down the field because we had had, you know, we threw for 450 yards. And so we, we you know, I just felt like he was going to find the guy that was open and uh, make good decisions and just lead us down. And that's exactly what he did. And then, of course, our kicker took care of the rest. Yeah, how about that, Coach? I mean, your kicker, I mean, the game's on the line to go to the state championship game. Uh, 37-yard field goal. Elements aren't a problem. You're in the Alamo Dome. But, man, that's got to be a lot of pressure on a young guy. Uh, speak to, oh speak to what he did for you. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Oh, yeah. You know, you know um, the head coach over there, of course, is a legend, Coach Joseph, and he had two timeouts, and so I fully expected him to ice them. And um, and he didn't, and so I was glad that that didn't happen. But you know, Hayden Hayden Arnold just he made some huge kicks the week before against Drip. You know, he made a 50-yarder to head into halftime to tie, and then he made the eventually the game-winning field goal uh, to put us up 27-24 with about nine minutes left in the Drip game. Um, and so he's obviously had some success. But I will tell you that I didn't say a word to him. You know, I let the special teams guy <laughs> handle it, and I just kind of walked away, took my headsets off, and just said a, said a quick prayer. And then um, I turned around as the ball was heading through the uprights. I couldn't watch for a little bit, and then I said, well, i got to watch. So I turned, turned around, and, and, of course, it's straight through the upright. Drew Sanders, head coach at Vandegrift. The Vipers are headed to play for a state championship this weekend. And I know you'll be on with Craig and the guys later in the week, and then and they'll let you, they can preview the DeSoto matchup. I wanted to ask you about the Katie game plan. You mentioned Braden had over 450 yards, and, 
you know, I don't know, maybe you know this, but that's the most, you score your 38 points, the most that Katie has allowed all year, and the fourth most mm. against Katie in the last six years. What was the key wow. to your offense being so good in that game? Well, I'd love to give credit to my offensive coordinator, Blake Mauser. He's been with me for 10 years, um, and he is a very, um, very smart coach, um, very motivational coach. But what he does is he shifts in motions nonstop all the time. And um, we, have, we have one really good receiver that I don't know how many yards he's got, maybe 1,600 yards receiving right now. Uh, Miles Coleman, he's just a junior. And so everybody tries to bracket him, but they can't because he puts him literally everywhere. And then Katie's going to do what they do. They're going to play their match stuff. Um, and they try to follow people around with them, but they're just going to play their match stuff, and you're going to find one-on-one matchups. And if you try to bracket Miles, then, of course, we all know what that does to your other receivers. Um, and so he just, you know, he was able to dial it up. And then we had, you're not going to believe this, uh, Buck, but we had not one but two um, double passes for touchdowns. Um, and so, you know, that was just tremendous because they're always, their eyes are in the backfield. And so um, we threw it out there, and they go crazy, and then we just lobbed it up. So Miles threw – Miles, my receiver, threw two touchdowns. So his quarterback rating is like a million right <laughs> now. Oh, wow. Now, you don't have many of those. When you go into a game, you, you may have two, and that's it. But you very seldom use two in that game. I mean, you got one saved now for, for the state championship game, oh, don't yeah. you? Of oh, course. yeah. He'll, ha- he'll have one for okay. sure. He'll have one. But, yeah, Buck, you know, when he told me he wanted to throw it again, I was like, all right, let's try it. It was a different play. Wow. But I was like, hey – you know, to beat Katie, though, that was my whole philosophy. I told him before the game, we got to let it all hang out today to beat these guys, and so I thought we did that. And uh, that they did, uh, completely let it all hang out. It was a heck of a heck of an effort uh, by uh, Vandegrift. And uh, you, you, was it just, you say you empty the tank, you do all of those things to make sure you have a chance. Well, now they do have a chance. Uh, it's against a really, really good team. Snoop Daniels alma mater, <laughs> the DeSoto Eagles. Which I saw earlier twice, one at State 7-on-7 seven seven, and again beating Weiss mm-hmm. to start the playoffs. So, so you know how good they are. They're very good. They're really good. And they're very motivated. Claude Mathis, their head coach, of course, part of that state championship team at Bartlett in the early 90s. Uh, he's very, very motivated because he feels – and he he actually has a point on this – that they've gotten some disrespect this year. And I'll, I'll get to it uh, coming up uh, next hour when we talk about these uh, state championship matchups. This isn't just playing a card of, oh, we're being disrespected. There's there's some actual, um, you might say, uh, meat on that bone. And and there's some specific cited examples. But we'll, we'll get to that coming up. Up next, we will bring you Inconceivable for a Monday morning. We'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn. Uh, some of that Inconceivable uh, here momentarily. Uh, I do have for you, Snoop, because we usually uh, dive into the Inconceivable whenever possible. Whenever possible, and this isn't always possible, but whenever possible with a fast food note. So, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm eating Gardelli. I was for wondering what you were eating over there. I was wondering what you were doing. Dark doing. chocolate sea salt almond. Little, really good. A little Ghirardelli chocolate for you there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Based in uh, San Francisco. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, that's good. Those, those, those San Francisco are mauled. Oh, who did they beat the heck out of yesterday? Uh, they beat Tampa Bay. It was bad. Anyway, dominated Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it would have been inconceivable. 
for the Cowboys had they not had a 98-yard drive to beat the Houston Texans. They were about to lose to a 1-11-1 team. They were about to lose to the Texans because they, after the, their opening drive, they did not play well for a lot of the game. And, after uh, the opening drive, yes. Yeah, list, listening to uh, <laughs> uh, Brad and Babe yesterday driving back uh, from Dallas, and they were they were not sugarcoating it out. It was not going well for them. But saying I, thought, still I, time. I literally thought they were going to win sixty-three to nothing once Pollard scored at first, and then they yeah. got another one. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is going to be yeah, they're going to be in good shape. And then all of a sudden, mistakes. What lets teams back in the games? Turnovers, mistakes, fumbled punts, interception thrown by Dak, those kinds of things. The Cowboys are proving what so many other teams around the NFL are proving. They are quite human, and they can get knocked off. I mean, Buffalo's proven they look like super, like a Super Bowl team, and then stumbled. Kansas City has looked that way. I mean, they they really struggled against Denver yesterday. So, um, parity, more and more of it in the National Football League. Uh, no, no doubt about that. All right. Let me get to a couple of things. I, I, I do have a fast food note for you. There are – this really won't affect you because you don't have a pet, right? No. You uh, you uh, share your uh, Del Valley dwelling with two others, right? Yes. They're like no. – yes. They're like what? Nothing. No, go, feel free. Go ahead. I was going to say they're like pets, but they aren't. They're, 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 they, they live like animals? Is that what you're trying to say here? Is that what you're trying to say here? No. Nope. All right, I won't put words in your mouth. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. What I will tell you that uh, th- there, if you ever do decide to get uh, a dog or whatever, there are 15, 15 fast food chains that have what's basically referred to as a secret dog menu. Did you know about this? No. Okay, first of all, now I knew about this. Um, I think my daughter first told me about this, and then Linda told me about it as well. You know, at Starbucks, they have what's called a puppuccino. You ever heard of the puppuccino? No. Okay. No, you didn't give a dog coffee. No. If you have a dog <laughs> with you and you pull up to the drive-thru, sometimes they'll ask you and say, you want a puppuccino? Uh, what it is, it's a small cup filled with whipped cream. It's usually in an espresso cup or a sample-sized cold beverage cup. You can order it by name or just ask for the whipped cream in a cup. And the puppuccino is almost always free. You can just say, hey, uh, could I have a puppuccino and and they'll say yeah Aww. sure if 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 you know especially if you've got one with you Aww. and you pull up there so showing a picture of a precious. poodle there the uh, puppuccino there so uh there is that i did not know this existed at dairy queen it's called the dairy queen pup cup uh it's a mini sunday First of all, if you're giving your dog ice cream, you're asking for issues. I know Bucky's done that before, but if you, it's a mini sundae with DQ's <laughs> vanilla soft serve, but it's topped with a dog biscuit. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's uh, coming they, out later on the carpet. Uh, they <laughs> maybe uh, they charge a buck thirty nine for this, and at certain locations, the dog might even get more than one biscuit. But some dogs are sensitive to dairy. So you better ask your your vet before you try it. Otherwise, as Snoop says, it might come out on your ask your dog on your carpet. Yeah, right. Uh, Are you lactose intolerant? Sprinkles is a destination uh, known for cupcakes, uh, but they have a pup cake that's made with yogurt frosting. Costs two fifty. So there's that. Um, there are Sonic dog treats that are pet friendly. 
Culver's has dog treats uh, at the drive-thru. So there's that. Duncan has a puppy latte. So Culver's, before they make you pull forward with the little blue thing, they give you a puppy treat? You, you, you can if you ask. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, certain Duncan <laughs> drive throughs have a puppy latte or a cup for pup. Uh, ben and Jerry's have doggy desserts with ice cream with dog biscuits. Anyway, there's several of those on there for those of you who are trying to, you know, give your pet a little extra love during the holiday. Okay, it's a shame... Jeff in here because you guys love bear stories. The last what's known as restaurant bear in Albania.